And so when, um, as we're talking about God's word, particularly this morning, um, when the hymns are full of things from God's word because people could finally read it. And um, so it, it fueled a whole, a whole new sense of interaction with God and, and, and understanding and growing in him. And so one of the natural responses was God reveals what are we supposed to do? Respond. And one of the responses was, was writing of, of songs. And so um, there's so much is poured out during even from the mid-1500s right in through the 1700s, 1800s. Just these, and it was directly um, connected with um, people being able to read God's word finally. And being and spoken about that, so we're um, third week here into our little series on um, how does God speak to us. Um, a little bit academic in that we're kind of edu- re-educating ourselves as a church about how does God speak to us. Um, how do we how do we read His spoken word, which is uh, the God's word, and then a bit of how to interpret it. So we've been um, we looked at general revelation, meaning God um, speaking through um, a variety of ways, but one of the main ways was His created order. And Romans 1 tells us that um, people could even understand just through the created order some of God's um, invisible attributes that they could understand that God is. And then um, God brings a special revelation that he wants to speak specifically regarding many, many things, including how to come to relation with Jesus. And so we have um, God's uh, written word, um, his special revelation, which we looked at a little bit last week. Um, God also speaks, we understand, through the Holy Spirit. Um, as he speaks to our heart and in our experiences and uses his word to do that and other people to do that. Today and next week, we're going to kind of take a look at, so we have this book, this Bible, this God's spoken word put into print. So um, how, do we, how do we read the language? How do we understand God's language? And tonight, it's um, really general. I'm just going to talk about how just kind of um, real basic things of just how do we enter God's word? Um, some of those basic steps that we've, we've seen. And then next week, one of those steps is interpreting God's word. So what we'll do next, um, next weekend is we will specifically take the aspect of how do I interpret God's word, and we'll walk through some basic steps to interpretation, and then we'll also I'll address some of the current issues in biblical interpretation that are out there, and there's a variety of them. So we will do those two things um, next week, but today kind of just um, hit the, some of the basic issues of engaging um, with God's speaking voice as shown up in his word. So let me, uh, let me pray, and then we will um, walk through this, this, this evening. Father, thank you for um, music that can, can put, um, put voice to the things that you bring to our heart um, through this voice of the Holy Spirit and through um, your word, which gets laid out for us. Thank you for those who have... Um, put into writing for us to sing. And um, thank you for your word. Um, and tonight, even as we kind of walk through it, that you give us a fresh hunger for it. In Jesus' name, amen. In your bulletin, there are some, there's a, an outline, so you can use that. There's some, some verses there that you can look up later since we're not doing kind of an exposition like we would normally do on Sundays um, or on Saturdays. We're kind of, I'm kind of hitting some things as we go along. So that's in there. There's a couple of resources listed there that you can look up. Um, I did, there's one other one I can put up on the screen that I didn't list there. It's um, reading the Bible with heart and mind. And that's, you can add that to your list of things to look up if you're looking for some pretty basic resources for how do I take God's word and read it in a way that will really speak to me. And this is another book that um, I would encourage you to to read. It's actually a very short one. Um, You might also consider um, uh, 
just, just by way of side thing, you should have a concordance if you're going to read it. Um, if you don't know what a concordance is, it's a concordance is like a, it, it just lists every time a word is used. So if you have the word king, you open up the book and you look up the word king, it'll list every reference in the scriptures that have the word king. A good concordance next to it will also have a number by it. And if you look at that number, and it'll take you to the back of the concordance, and it'll actually tell you what Greek word was used for that word, which will let you know if there's more than one Greek word. So sometimes we'll have a word in the Bible, but there'll be three different Greek words for it. It'll tell you which one it is and what the difference is meaning it. So I encourage you to get one of those. Some kind of background book that gives you a kind of background of Bible times, those kinds of things. All those things um, are, I use books for them, but you can use online stuff. There's a proliferation, I've used that word twice already tonight, um, of uh, resources online. So all those things are available online. Most some of you have Bible software that's got all that on there already. Um, there's a, a million things to do. So make sure you use those. Those are helpful resources as we um, walk through those kinds of things. So some steps to take in order to read God's word. I stole the uh, title, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth from Gordon Fee. Um, for all of its value to get everything from it that we can, there's some steps to take. And I'm just going to walk us through it. Um, it, it, as we go here. So number one, we have to prepare to hear God's voice. Just being ready to hear what God is going to say to us. If God's word is his spoken voice put into God's very breathed words for us, put onto paper, how can we prepare ourselves um, to hear it? The Bible is not a normal book, and so we have to be prepared to hear God speak through it. It's a supernatural book written supernaturally through the Holy Spirit. Um, it's about spiritual things that can only be discerned through the Holy Spirit, so we have to be prepared and ready to look at it. You know, if you pick up a, um, I mean, think of the things you read this week, whether it was a, a letter in the mail from somebody you read one way, um, you pick it up and maybe you're, it's somebody you haven't heard from in a while and you're just eager to, eager to read it, and so you, you kind of sit down somewhere where it's quiet and nobody's going to bother you and you open it up to read it. Um, you may be reading the newspaper and you don't care who bothers you and you're sitting in a restaurant and you just open it up and you're ready to toss it or whatever. You, you walk into it a different way. Um, if, you're, if you're a student and you're opening up a textbook, you may be dreading it. And so you, you kind of get yourself fixed so you can concentrate on it because you know you're not going to want to follow it. So it takes preparation and, and, and we approach it in a certain way. And a couple things here, how we approach God's word, and this is not all of them, but a few ways. So how to prepare for it. Number one, read it for relationship. We talked about that last week. Um, John 5, 37, Jesus um, said that you search the scriptures, but the scriptures are all about me. It's all about me. And so um, when you open up God's word and you read it, there's all different reasons we go to it. But keep first and foremost, or at least get back there, that it's about relationship. It's about coming back and being connected closer to the Lord. Is it pushing you towards Jesus? Is it telling you something about him? Is it getting you closer to him? Not just about information. So read it for relationship. Second of all, read it um, submitted. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13 says, God's word and the Lord himself pierces into our soul to speak to us his truth. And he divides our thoughts and our intentions and our motives. So um, the word wants to, when I read it, the Holy Spirit is wanting to speak into my life God's truth in order to exercise authority over me to, to, to move me forward in the things he wants to do in my life. He wants to tell me things that are good. He wants to tell me things to change. He wants to encourage me. He wants to give me direction. He just wants to show me something about himself. And so we need to um, read it submitted, ready to, to um, hear it and to, to um, respond to the things he tells us to do or to think. 
Um, I often, when, I, when someone's going to share an in, input to me, I will, my inside, I'm thinking, I will listen to them, and then I'll decide whether I'm going to do it or not, because I'm going to wait to see what they say. And we do that, that same thing with God sometimes. We're going to say, Lord, you can speak to me, and then I'll kind of weigh it out and figure out what I'm going to do. And you know, sometimes he just doesn't speak when we do it that. He's just kind of, he wants us to come and say, whatever, I'm ready to hear what you have to say. So when we open up the word, we're not just opening a book, we're opening up saying, God, whatever you want to say to me, say it. I'm ready to listen. Um, and so have a submitted heart, ready to submit to his authority um, over it. Number uh, three on this is read it in community. In community. Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. We looked at this last week. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. It says here with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Um, We let the word of Christ richly dwell in us as we, it says here, we do it with one another. There's something about the community of believers that opens up God's word to our heart. As a matter of fact, the, uh, the Old Testament was written to a community of people, um, the, the nation of Israel. The New Testament, most of the books, other than just a couple, were written to, to churches to gather groups of people. They weren't written to individuals other than a few. So when he wrote the book of Ephesians, G, uh, Paul wrote the letter, he sent to Ephesus. It was for that community. And I believe to understand what he was saying, we understand it within community. I mean, I can read it by myself, but it really gets fleshed out and figured out in, in relationship with each other. Um, and if we divorce ourselves from that, um, I think we only get a part of what God's trying to say to us. So we read his word um, in communities because it's written to communities, it's understood in community, and it is lived out in community with each other. We cannot emphasize that um, um, enough, that uh, God's word is, is lived out in that place. So we need to read it in that con- context as well. And then lastly here, we read it by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through uh, 13, it says, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one can know except the spirit of God. Now we have not received, we have, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. That's complicated. All it's saying is God speaks, the spirit within us hears God's voice and knows God's voice because it's God himself. And that is what can speak to our own spirit about what God is saying. So bottom line is, the Holy Spirit is our only teacher. He's our only teacher. And he's the one who teaches us what God's word says. So when we open it up, we have to say, that spirit, fill me up and speak to my heart because I'm not going to get it by myself. The Holy Spirit has to minister um, God's words to us. Um, and when the good news about that is we do not have to be scholars to read and understand God's word. We don't have to go to seminary to read and understand God's word. We don't even have to have the concordance next to us to read and understand God's word, all this kind of stuff. There is this, this simplicity to God's word that the Holy Spirit, for a person for the first time, can pick up a word that has come to Christ, read it, and the Holy Spirit can speak to them through the word. My wife became a Christian when she was at the end of high school, had never opened up a Bible in her life, and um, 
got, went to Bible school right after she got saved, didn't even know where Genesis was. And, but the Holy Spirit could speak to her when she opened it up. She didn't have to get all that. She could read it and understand it um, because the Holy Spirit is the teacher. And um, encourage people to read it. Um, it just there's, there's something amazing about that, that God's word is so deep that we can work at it and work at it forever and just keep finding new things. But the, most, the smallest babe in Christ, the little kid who just comes to Christ, picks up and reads a verse in Sunday school, and he gets it. And because uh, the Holy Spirit is the teacher for that. So let's not forget that as we move through all these other things. Um, right now, right at this time, the Holy Spirit is ready to speak to us. And we need, to, as in preparation for his word, ask him to do that. Number two, if we're going to um, hear God's voice in his written word, we have to have a copy of his written word. So uh, that sounds kind of simple, but that's what we need to do. You've got to get a copy of God's voice, um, not on tape. Well, I guess you can, but... Um, Assuming that we're not reading the original, the Greek and the Hebrew, um, you need a translation that you can read. So um, it's all, all a matter of getting a copy of God's Word um, that we can read. And I want to just talk to you a little bit about the different ones out there because I get questions pretty frequently about that, like what Bible do I use and is there a difference and all those kinds of things. So have a copy of God's voice. Um, there are basically a couple of different manuscript families that have developed as far as the original languages. Um, the King James comes out of one. Some of their translations come out of a different one. Some people are very, um, uh, very specific about the one they want. Um, by and large, there's not a lot of difference between the two. There really is not very much difference. When you put them together, they have little tiny details um, that are, uh, most of them have very little impact on the text that are, are different. But there's a couple of these manuscript families that produce these texts. But men and women groups have taken the original um, scriptures and then they translate them into the things that we have. So um, we have three different types um, of uh, ways of translating. We have formal equivalents, and I'll, I'll unpackage these in a moment. Formal equivalents, dynamic or functional equivalents, and we have paraphrases. Um, I'm not going to talk about paraphrases because the paraphrases, somebody takes um, English Bible, like if I took this one and wrote the Chris DeHaan version, I just kind of rewrote it in a way that I thought was more understandable. That's a paraphrase. It's helpful, but it's basically taking an English version and, and write, kind of change it to make it readable. Um, it's, uh, but we're not going to talk about that one. We will talk about the other two, which is formal equivalence and um, functional equivalence. So let me just tell you what those two are. So the first one is formal equivalence translations. Anybody know if they have a formal equivalence translation? Anybody? All right, good. It also can be called word-for-word word or a literal um, translation. The idea here is that... Um, we take the, the original words, like the Greek or the Hebrew words, and you translate it word for word. So whatever the Greek word is, we, we find the English word for, whatever the, the, each word in the sentence. So they're trying to, the translation is trying as best as possible to give us an English copy of a word-for-word translation from the original scriptures, um, believing that word-for-word word you're going to get the closest thing that we have So for studying it. Um, the focus is on grammar and wording and structure. So um, that's why even a formal equivalence Bible will sometimes be a little hard to read because they'll even keep some of the word order. Um, and, you know, like in other languages, they'll have like a verb first and subject later or something in this kind of different orders. They'll actually leave it in those orders sometimes. If you get a really strict literal version, like um, Concordia or the uh, Young's literal translation, it'll actually leave all the word orders in the original word order, so it's, it'll, sometimes it'll sound really strange. Um, but the, uh, the, most of them will 
make it readable um, somewhat, but it's focused on grammar and on wording and on structure. Um, the intent is to translate, as far as these translators go, their intent is to translate the content accurately, to get an accurate translation of the content. The advantage to it is that there's less chance of interpreting. They're just going to put their words down. They're not trying not to interpret what they actually mean. Um, it leaves that to the reader more often, and there's a, a fidelity to the actual words there. Um, the disadvantage is that they're not as readable sometimes, um, usually. Um, sometimes word for word misses the meaning. So um, you have combinations of words that in, in Greek, for instance, three words together have a meaning, but the words separately put out will not get to that meaning. So sometimes we can, can lose part of that. Um, some examples of a, of a formal equivalence are the King James Version, the New American Standard Bible, which is what I have back here, um, English Standard Version. Anybody using the English Standard Version? That's pretty new. I mean, that newer, it's one of the newer ones. English Standard Version is basically a New American Standard Version redone to make it a little bit more readable. Um, I'd probably say it's probably a better one than that. Um, a lot of people are switching that. So those are the basic three. There's other ones. Um, those, and I'll talk about the, um, some examples from these in a moment. The other one is the Functional Equivalence Bible, or sometimes it's called the Dynamic Equivalence. Um, it's basically phrase-for-phrase phrase or thought-for-thought thought translation. So they'll take a section and kind of figure out what's, what's this really trying to say here, the, what's the bigger meaning here, and put it into words that we could, could read. The focus is on reproducing the meaning of the text rather than the actual words necessarily. Um, there's several forms of this, actually, so they're not all the same. The, the original ones that were first done were trying to get at the meaning, so they would take the, the verses in the original, and they would look at it and think, what were these combination of words and these sentences trying to say, and then get that meaning to a, a way that we could understand um, today. Um, there's another way to do it, that the meaning, um, they just take the meaning and put it into modern terms. So the first, I'm, I'm getting uh, messed up here. The first way of doing it was to figure out what the meaning was that the original authors meant. So they still put it down that way. They're taking all the words and trying to get to the meaning, not worrying about making it word for word. Um, then there were some later versions that took the same thing, but they changed some of the words to become more modern words. So if it's using the word lamp, they would use the word light instead because it's, it's, we don't use lamps. And most of us don't. Um, so those things. And those, those two ways of translating, we're trying to get at the intent of the original writers. They're trying to reproduce their intent um, in, their, in their translating. A, th a third way of doing it, and this has been more recent, is the uh, functional equivalence versions are trying to reproduce the effect of the writing. So their belief was that um, as God spoke through the Holy Spirit in these writers, um, he was trying to, um, God was trying to elicit an effect, trying to impact their hearts and make an effect on them. And so the translation is done in a way to try to reproduce what that effect God was trying to bring upon the people who read it. It's a little different than trying to get to the meaning. It's, it's how I was impacted by it, how I felt about it, or how it might have moved me in a certain way. The advantages of these kinds of uh, translations are that um, they understand that sometimes multiple words to put together, even sentences put together, means something that, that you don't get from the word for word. So they're trying to get at that. They're way more readable. They're more contemporary. The disadvantage is that sometimes a translator just gets it wrong. They don't get the meaning right. They, there's, there's, there's an interpretive element there that sometimes they get it right, and sometimes they don't get it right. Or sometimes we're not really sure what the interpretation is. So 
um, they kind of miss it at, at times. I'll give you an example. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 2. Remember, Jesus goes up on the mountain, and it says, uh, the, the New American Standard Bible would say, Jesus went up on the, on the hill or the mountain, and it says he opened his mouth and began to speak. Well, we don't usually say that. We just say he started talking, right? So the New American Standard says he opened his mouth and began to speak. But if you go to like the um, NIV or even the message, he says, it just says he began to teach. Um, well, that's, there's, some would say there's some interpretation happening there because what happens just before this section, chapter 4 of Matthew, it says Jesus says a man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And some think that um, Matthew purposely used these words here, that when Jesus opens his mouth, it's supposed to harken back to chapter 4, that Jesus is God speaking. And so you miss that when you've changed the words a bit and you didn't keep the exact wording. On the other hand, you can go to like Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Um, it's talking about Jesus existing in the very nature of God. Um, the NIV uses the word nature. Um, the New American Standard Bible uses the word form. Um, and when we get form, we get confused. What does form of God mean? It sounds something confusing. The, the section here is really talking that Jesus was God himself, and, and the word nature is actually a better word, so um, it can work there. Examples of uh, the functional equivalents or dynamic equivalents are the NIV Bible is actually one, the New Living Translation, New English Bible, New Living Translation, the CEV or the Contemporary English Version, and some people say the message is a paraphrase. The message is really a dynamic equivalence Bible. Um, if you had like a spectrum of ones that were closer to word for word, it would be the NIV. And farther away from word for word would be the message, so it's at the other end. Um, but it still falls within that category. It is a translation. It's not a paraphrase. Just a couple of comments about that. And um, a couple of things. First of all, don't make, um, don't make Bible translations a battleground. I've actually attended church where there was a huge battleground over... The version. I actually walked to church. I was not allowed to bring my Bible into a church one time because it was the wrong translation. So don't, um, don't make it a battleground. As a matter of fact, the differences between them are actually fairly small in most cases. Um, there's not a huge thing. I would encourage you to read multiple translations. Um, I use a New American Standard here, so some people switch that just because it's easier because I'm reading from that. But there is always insights and depths of things you find by reading multiple ones. So you read one, you read another one, and then you figure, why are they different? And that just, that just encourages looking deeper is what it does. And you're going to get something from one that you won't get from another. So read more than one. Um, um, have at least one good formal equivalence Bible that's word for word, and then have at least another one that's the, uh, more of a dynamic equivalence or functional equivalence one. Um, but always do that. And if, um, the difference ultimately is not really very great. I'd be quite honestly, there's, I've, I have some troubles in NIV. There's lots of little things in there I don't like about it. Um, but I tell you, it's not going to mess you up. I mean, it's not going to send us off down some road. We're not reading a corrupted version or something like that. Um, or my kids are in trouble because that's what they read. So uh, it's, um, the differences are not huge. Um, the issue, God wants us to be in his word for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Um, through his word. I would encourage you to have a really good study Bible. And by a good study Bible, I mean one that, um, and, and, this, and by the way, study notes are not God's word, but um, a good study Bible will tell you when there's issues on different words. So like a really good New American Standard study Bible will actually have notes. I'll say, 
Some say, and it'll have why these combination words might have something different than what they put in. It'll let you know that so that you can figure that out on your own and, and begin to study that. So find one like that. Number three, this is the most important thing, is read it. You get a copy of God's word, you have his voice, it's read it. That's just, you know, if we just got that, we'd be okay. That's, it's, it's enough just to read, read his word. Nehemiah chapter 8. And um, I'm not going to, I'll read most of this because I just love this whole passage. Um, it says, all the people, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. All the people gathered as one man at the square, which was at the front of the water gate. And they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it before the square, which was in front of the water gate from early morning until midday. That's a long time. Um, in the presence of men and women those who could understand, and all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood at the wooden podium, even had a podium, isn't that cool? Which they had made for that purpose. And he opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, and all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. They bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their face to the ground. They explained the law to the people while the people remained in their place. And they read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give the sense that they understood what they were reading. It says they read the book. They got in front of the people and they picked it up and people stood up and they just read it. They just read it. Revelation 1.3 says, Blessed is the one who reads and who hears the words of this prophecy. Colossians 4.16. Paul says, When this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. Reading it, just picking it up and reading it. The scriptures tell us to read God's word. Um, and just some suggestions. Sometimes read whole sections. Um, Philippians was given as a letter, so read the whole thing. Um, it's sometimes if we just read old pieces, we just miss it. And um, it's like if you got a, a letter from somebody you just couldn't wait to hear from, you wouldn't just read three verses, three, three lines of it, and then think about it. You'd, you'd read the whole thing. You might go back and look at certain parts, but you, you would just pick up and read it because you want to read the whole thing. So some of the books, read the whole thing um, and read right through them. Sometimes stay with one part for a long time. So there's nothing wrong with reading something, and then there's a, a phrase or a verse that just kind of, something the Holy Spirit saying, there's something here. Um, you know, we don't, you don't have to read tons of stuff either. So you can just take that one verse or that one verse and just say, I'm just going to stick this one for a while and just go back and read it a couple times a day for day after day after day after day. I mean, you can do that for weeks and just let it soak in for a while and see what's there. Um, let it just read it in that way as, as well. Um, read it and read and read before you see what other people have to say about it. So some of us tend to read something and we immediately open a book to see what somebody's going to tell us it means. Um, I would encourage you, trust the Holy Spirit in your own walk with him enough to give it time for God to speak to you, to speak through it. So read it and read it and read it and write some notes and write questions and kind of just um, be with it, just you and the Holy Spirit and God's word for a while before you kind of rush off to see what somebody else has to say because um, you, you, the Holy Spirit can speak to you more than you know um, before you go to somebody else. So I encourage you to do that as well. Um, if we do nothing else, do this, read it. Um, it gives the Holy Spirit plenty to work with. There's more than enough there. Number four, meditate on it. Alan mentioned this last week. Psalm chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. In his, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in it he meditates day and night. 
As a result, you'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does is prosperous. Let it sink in. Meditating is just like you were talking about last week. We just chew it up for a while. We just let it stay there for a while. We um, let it sink in. It's like um, we don't swallow the thing whole. We chew it up, and we let it work its way into our hearts. So take it slow. Take it small bites. Go back to it. Um, ways to meditate on it, like I said before, you can just focus on a phrase or a word or a little section, go back to it again. You can turn it into a prayer and pray it, uh, a verse, and just pray it over and over again. It, it works its way into your heart more. Write it out, rewrite it, write your own paraphrase. Um, there's ways to meditate on it. Come back to it again and again. You can make it your wallpaper on your computer so you see the verse every day for a while. Um, stick it on a note somewhere. Uh, you can journal about it. You can tell somebody about it is a great way to let it start working its way in. You can write um, about it for the church devotional and send it to Christie. is a great way to dig it in further. It's just meditating on it. Otherwise, it just kind of comes on here, and it goes out the other side, doesn't it? And it's just gone. And we rush through things so fast. And like I'm, the, I'm a fast eater. It's just gone like that, and I'm up and doing something else. And um, that's not healthy, and it's not healthy to read that way as well. So um, give it some time. Um, that is where Revelation says, blessed are the ones who read it and those who hear. The hearing part comes from meditation as we let it sink its way into our hearts. Number five, interpretation. We've got to interpret God's word as part of that process. Second Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly handling or dividing the word of truth. It's studying well. Um, Nehemiah 8, verses 7 and 8, those verses I already read, it says that they actually interpreted the words for the people. They basically read them, and they eventually said, this is what they mean, this is what God's saying through it. And somebody unpackaged those verses and those words for the people. Luke chapter 24, verse 27, Jesus says, Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them the things concerning himself in the scriptures. Jesus actually did a message where he took the, the Old Testament, he opened it up, and he explained to him where he was in those passages for the disciples that he met with. And it's just digging deep. The word is exegesis. Um, exegesis means discovering what did the author intend the original audience to understand. Exegesis means finding out what did the author intend the original audience to understand. So when Paul wrote the church of Philippi, what were they supposed to hear? And we've got to try to figure out what that is. And if and when I figure out that, then I can say, what is he trying to say to me? Interpretation is figuring out what was he trying to say to the people it was originally written to. And then we can begin to think about what does it have to say to us. And like I said, next week we will actually spend the, uh, um, our time on interpretation specifically. How do we figure out what it means? And then lastly, application. Application means, um, what is it supposed to say to me? Responding to God's voice. God speaks to us. And remember we said, God speaks, he reveals, we respond. God reveals, we respond. And application is saying, once we've done that, and the Spirit's been speaking, and I'm reading, and God's voice is coming off those pages into my heart, into my life, um, and it can happen all the way along in that process, God's going to begin speaking things. Um, and, and it's just me saying, so what do I do with it? It's all what I do with it. It may be nothing more than just storing it up, and that's the application. I'm just, I'm just going to hang on to that. Um, it, it may mean there's something I'm supposed to change or something I'm supposed to do, or um, I'm supposed to go sh- share with somebody and say something to them. I'm going to write a note of encouragement. Um, it, it can be a variety of things um, for our life. There's all sorts of ways um, to apply it. 
We look at the uh, Timothy passage, it says the word of God is God-breathed, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and for correction and training. So that's one application. Is it for doctrine? Meaning, is there something here I'm supposed to believe, something, some new truth that I've just discovered? Um, reproof means it's telling me that I'm off track in my life, and he wants to change it up. Um, I read God's word, and all of a sudden I realize, man, I'm, I'm not, I don't have it straight here. Uh, third, it could, the application would be correction. It just tells me how to place myself in a right path again or for training, meaning ongoing walking with him. The issue here is revelation and response. There's always supposed to be some kind of response to God's speaking voice into our life. Otherwise, it's just been a voice that came and went, and it's just gone. We haven't done anything with it, and that's what application is, just to put something to it. What is it calling from me, or what is it calling me towards? I love this story. We, we read some verses from Luke 24. Do you remember that story? You have the two disciples who are on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus meets up with them and walks along with them. And in the course of that, they're sharing about what had happened. They're discouraged. They're down. Um, they're, they're wondering whether they're, all their ideas about Jesus maybe weren't true because now he's dead. And so there's, um, they're kind of wondering what it's all about. And you remember they go to his house, and Jesus begins to explain himself and all the scriptures. They don't know who he is. And they, they bring him into their home, and they sit down, and Jesus keeps kind of just revealing. He's unveiling the Old Testament for before their very hearts. Um, and he breaks the bread, and all of a sudden they know who he is, and he says it's, he disappears from their, their, their midst. He's just gone. And um, it's, it says that their hearts were burning. It says, where are our hearts burning when he was teaching us his word, when he was showing himself in the scriptures? There's something about the scriptures that they got unveiled that caused their hearts, they described it as, burning within. And um, I was kind of wondering, what does it mean to have God's word when it touches burning within us? Which is, which is God's intention as he speaks to us. That's, I mean, all the other stuff that we're doing, we've got translations and studying, all this kind of stuff we're doing, the, the goal, God wants to speak to our hearts. Um, and I think, what does it mean that my heart was burning? And I'm not altogether sure, but part of it, um, I, I thought for those guys, I thought they probably, one of the first things they thought was, we were right all along. We, we got it right. He's exactly who he said he was. I thought they probably thought, I, I, I don't know what they, they had probably this emotional response of, yes, we, we, we chose right. We were with him, and he is God, just like he said he was. And all the things that he, he was saying that we were just had this faint hope of, we know they're true. It's like this, this part of them that just said, just the truth reigned deep. That deep part where you go, I know it's true. And just, it took away all those other things. were just gone. And there was this sense of, it doesn't matter what comes next. We, we have the truth, and I know it in the deepest part of me. Um, I think that's what they experienced when they said it was burning um, within them. And so, and what did they do? It says they got up, and they, they changed. They went back to where they were coming from, and they were probably talking about it, and they were probably excited about it, and they shared it with somebody else. Um, there was a response to it. And um, as we wrestle with how does God speak and how does he show through creation? And how does, how does he speak with people that don't hear it and don't have the word? And what do we do with our translations? And how do we apply it? And how do we interpret it? And all these things that we wrestle with, um, underneath all of that, there's supposed to be this place that God wants just to have his voice kind of sh- cut through, this clear voice that just rings true that says, it's my voice and you know it. And when it cuts down to the very heart, you know it's there. And that's the goal of, of, of having his words that we just... I have the truth. I actually have it. Um, I can't believe it. We actually have 
the very words of God that we can hold on to and know to be his words and to be true. Um, Cameron, if you could, uh, you and Lisa and Alan can come back up. Um, we're going to sing for a bit. Um, these are disciples, when they back, went back, like I said, they were, there was belief. Um, I, I'm going to guess that they were laughing a bit. Um, I don't know about you, and I'm really excited about something, which I don't usually show it too much on the outside, but um, I, a laugh, it's just a, a good laugh, because I'm just, it's just a, a, good, a good sense. Um, they're praising God. They're thanking him that he spoke to them and that they knew it. Um, there was thankfulness in their hearts, it says. Um, they were ready to share it in the midst of community with other people, um, to celebrate that with each other, which is why we get together um, to do that. Um, I'm going to guess, even though it doesn't say it in God's word, that they sang, um, so we can sing too. Um, we're going to sing about asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Um, wonderfully through your word um, that we can trust and uh, so we'd ask that you would um, keep doing that and above all we just give you thanks for it we thank you that we are not um, left in silence Um, in Jesus name amen